All right, this is a spontaneous podcast episode, episode number two of season one, and you're listening to Zombie Permaculture, where I am buying five acres in the desert and turning it into a permaculture oasis. Just watch me. (laughs) So, um, adventures since the last episode, I am finding myself kind of just in moments of boredom, I'll wander out to the RV and I'm thinking in my head while I'm doing it, I'm just going to go poke my head in there. I don't, I don't really have a plan at all. I'm kind of just going out there for no reason. And then I'll end up being out there for like four hours and get a bunch of stuff done. And, and it's sort of one of those things where you just, you're kind of puttering. It's like gardening. It's very much like when I'm gardening there's no stated agenda other than occasionally I'll think to myself, I've got to pot up those new starts or something like that. And it, one thing leads to another and it just kind of, there's just always something to do basically. So this has been happening the last two days. And today I am, my ankle is killing me. I think I must have, well, I don't know what I did to it, but I was working in flip-flops yesterday in the RV and I didn't have any kind of injury that I'd noticed, so there was no sudden pain or anything like that, but I woke up this morning and I'm limping. <laughs> so I'm guessing I probably should not have worked in flip-flops. <laughs> this is We call this adulting, <laughs> or maybe not adulting, I'm not sure. But anyway, I'm, you know, I'm okay. I'm able to kind of do what I need to do today, but I'm definitely like feeling a little slow and you know how when you get injured, you kind of feel a little bit depressed, like you want somebody to come and take care of you or whatever. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm depressed, but it is kind of, I feel dampened. Let's just say that. But anyway, in spite of the injury, which I know will heal, um, I basically got a ton done in the last few days of work that came out of me just wandering over to the RV, like I said. So one of the first things I did the other day was I knew that the loft had issues and I knew that I, I you know, I was kind of keeping that in the back of my mind. It was one of the endless to do's, but it's a big space and it's at eye level, kind of close to eye level. So it was very much on my mind. And I think it's one of those things where you have an unfinished project or a to do, and it's just nagging at you until you do it. It's going to be taking up mental bandwidth. And so I decided to finally just kind of pull everything out of the loft and take a good look at it. And kind of, as I had suspected, there was this weird, panel thing that was kind of pulled over this, uh, like a four fifths pie, you know, um, hole in the loft. And there were multiple things wrong with it or weird about it. One is that it created two different levels in the loft so that you couldn't just set like a bunky board on top of that. Cause it would be sloped, it would be slanted. And I wasn't sure if maybe it was missing a panel or what, but that was what I had to work with. And then also the panel that was there was actually, um, it had been damaged and it did not feel stable. So it was, if I pressed on it, I could see there were cracks, um, in the veneer overlay. And then when I pressed on it, it just, it basically moved with the weight of just my hand. So I'm thinking that's not safe to sleep on. So I finally just decided to pull it all the way out of the RV. I got a good look at it. I started pulling it apart, right? Kind of intuitively right away because I think, you know, right there it's at a certain point. And as I was pulling it out of the RV, I was basically making the decision that I was going to 
replace it because it, it just wasn't something that I thought was salvageable. So I pull it apart and I find out that it's mostly made out of like thin crappy veneer stuff, but it's also got some real wood on the inside of it. And I was a little concerned when I saw that there were styrofoam blocks in between the wood. And I wondered if that was for insulation purposes, um, because I don't want to be removing insulation from the RV um, because I don't think that they have a lot of insulation to begin with, but it is, it was what it was. And I took a couple hours and had a good time actually just basically deconstructing this panel to salvage the wood. And I had a kind of funny experience because many of the screws that had been used to construct this panel were actually standard head. So it was, you know, where you have just the one line instead of the crisscross of the Phillips head. Um, and it was fairly difficult to get these out because of course the standard head, um, screw it, you know, there's the drill pops out and it's easy to, it's really, it's harder to, for the drill to get a grip, um, get a grip drill. <laughs> and so anyway, I managed to salvage several nice boards from it. And even the board that was damaged, I can see that the, I could see that the screws that had been driven into the end of it, um, that that's where the damage had been. And that it was basically the wooded, um, there were parts missing from that end of that plank. I can just cut the bottom of that off where the damage is. And then I've got a nice plank of real wood. So anyway, that was satisfying to me. And I brought my little stack of real wood and added it to my now nicely organized, uh, bucket. <laughs> I got a home Depot bucket given to me by the seller of the RV. Um, because in his mind, I was going to be using that to take showers with his little pump shower thing he had provided. Um, but of course I was like, no, I'm going to make the shower work by itself. I don't want to use a bucket. Um, but I, I thought what a cool thing to have though. So it's like one of those little things that it, it's not a big thing, but it ends up being really useful and having value anyway. And so I've been saving all of the trim that the burners who used this RV and took it to Burning Man and, you know, clearly were the last owners because it's just multicolors and weird little flowers glued all over everywhere and all kinds of other strange little you know, kind of burner-esque things like five different types of wallpaper that all clash with each other and a lot of hot pink. Um, and then a disco glitter kind of chandelier in the kitchen and, you know, fake fur and stuff, um, which I love because, I mean, I'm a burner too. Um, but these guys went to Burning Man two years and it was, I think they skipped a year in between and I can tell because of the stickers <laughs> on the RV. Um, but anyway, I've pulled off a lot of the trim. They added a lot of trim to the RV. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe they were just kind of making it look cool, but I don't really see the need for all the trim and... A lot of it's uh, just, it doesn't fill the whole space. So there's weird gaps um, that, you know, I mean, they were doing this obviously not to live in it. They were doing it to go and party um, at a festival for a couple of years uh, for 10 days at a time. So I totally get it. But anyway, I decided to save all this trim because you never know when you might need some trim. <laughs> and I want to repaint that, uh, at, you know, all one color and, you know, use it a little more uh, intentionally. So I had it in this big just messy, messy, dangerous pile in the corner of the RV for like a week and a half. And I finally decided I was going to put all of it into the Home Depot bucket and stand it up straight. And now it is a beautiful, clean pile of great material that I can pull from. And so I added my new, uh, my newly salvaged wood to that pile. And when I look at it, it's that thing where 
it's not nagging on me anymore and it feels organized. And I know it's a small thing, like I said, but it still matters to me and it helps me be more productive and sort of um, single-minded or focused on the things I really need to put energy into. So having said that, the um, what I did with the wood that I had salvaged from that old panel is I used that in my re, I don't know, restoration or beefing up of the loft. So I went to the hardware store and had fun conversations about masks with the um, Nazi lady who works at the cash register and then I guess one of the owners, um, but that worked out great in my favor as usual. Again, knock on wood. <laughs> and then I got my, um, they didn't have two by threes or whatever it was that I had bought there the last time I was there. So I bought two by fours and I found them for five bucks each, which is excellent. And I bought four of them thinking I was going to use four of them. I ended up using three of them and two of them. Unfortunately, I did not do a good job checking. I think it was because I was kind of stressed out in the store because I was basically being harassed by um, a few people. Most of the employees were nice to me and didn't bother me. But again, I did have to deal with a couple of, you know, I just call them Nazis because, you know, I'll do another podcast someday about all of that, maybe. But for now, suffice it to say that I was not really thinking fully clearly. And so I did not inspect all of the two by fours before buying them. And two of them were warped. So no matter what I did, even if I pulled out a little band, real ridge kind of thing that was in the loft to try to make the middle of the two by fours I was laying lengthwise across the loft as bracing, um, sink down to the level to the level of the other two two by fours it just didn't work it was making it uneven so I'm going to put a bunkie board up there I have a really good mattress I finally found after years and years of searching and back pain and so I'm going to take that with me of course <laughs> and um, so I have this bunkie board and it needs to sit flat so what I did finally is I decided to use three uh, two by fours no did I yeah I used three so I used one where it's closest to the rest of the RV, so right at the edge of the loft, and that just goes right up against these sort of panels that are on either side of that that go up a little bit. I'm not sure if it's a design kind of aesthetic thing, but it also kind of holds the loft in, I'm sure. But it's there's one right up against that, and then there's one sort of kind of towards the back of the uh, loft area, and then there's one um, that I used to let's see, did I use three? I think I only used two. And then I cut one of the, the warped ones up and used, made a cross beam that pretty much bisects the big hole that is in the loft between the cab and the loft. And so I ended up making it very, very sturdy. Now, when I try to move it, it doesn't move at all. It feels very solid. And that's what I really was going for. I used all the brackets that I salvaged from the old panel. Fantastically, I had just enough screws. I bought, I think about 28 screws at the hardware store <laughs> and I had exactly the right amount of screws and I had, I used up all the brackets and I think I needed like one extra bracket from my, you know, salvaged bracket stash. So it was very satisfying. If you're like me and you love tools and you love kind of figuring out stuff, you know, design problems with your hands just on the fly, <laughs> um, you'll know what I mean. It was just really satisfying to be able to save those materials from the landfill, to be able to deconstruct them with my own hands and my own kind of, um, you know, figuring out as I go, um, brain 
the area of my brain that does that kind of problem solving. And then to be able to have those materials available to me to do the next project was really, really satisfying. So now I have this amazingly sturdy loft space that's pretty much level. I don't have a level, but the RV isn't parked level right now. It's got a slope to it, so I couldn't really use a level if I tried. I don't really know how to do that. Maybe there's a way, but I measured and it's basically about one of the, the back two by four was, I think, what was it? Like 13 sixteenths, something, something 13 sixteenths. And then the one in the front was like five sixteenths. And so it might be a little bit of a slope, but boy, I got it as close as I could. And so I guess part of it too is I'll have to see maybe when I get to the desert, it's going to be terrible and I'll feel like I'm rolling off the loft. But for now, it is the best that I could do. And it's kind of funny too, because I'm taking videos occasionally for, you know, at different points and I'll be making YouTube videos of some of my work um, and the progress of getting from, you know, Los Angeles County to um, the, the middle of the desert. <laughs> um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. I was laughing when I was videotaping the finished product because it just seemed to me that any carpenter who would were to watch this video would probably just be very, very frustrated with me for not making it look pretty and not being super precise with anything. Um, but it is what it is and I'm learning as I'm going. And my main goal is functionality. It's not perfection. And it's not going to be visible, too, because it'll be covered by the bunkie board and the mattress. Um, so that was a huge project that I completed. And then I'm so excited because today my wallpaper arrived for the bathroom door. I painted it. I did a bunch of wood filler. I got what was a big mess um, in a bunch of different colors and uh, lots of holes in it. I got it really nice and clean and, and sanded down and and beautiful as a sort of a surface. And I decided that basically the bathroom door on the outside is kind of the, it's almost like it's a big art space. It's, you really look at it. It's sort of right there and it's, it's this angle, right? Um, it's not a square. So you, you sort of, your eyes go right to it. It's this big open space. And I thought, you know, what do I do with it? Do I hang artwork on it? That might be weird because maybe with the door opening and shutting, it might not be stable, um, and then, you know, do I put a mirror on it? Do I need a full length mirror in the desert? Yeah, probably not. There's already a mirror for the bathroom sink area. It's not a floor length mirror, but I mean, I'm going to be wearing muck boots and, you know, it's, it's not really going to be like, I'm going into the city to party and need to look cute that often. Um, <laughs> so I decided instead to just cover it with a beautiful, um, uh, wallpaper that I found and it's uh, a stand of birch trees, bare birch trees in the winter. So it's just very, very simple, but I really liked it. And I spent my time looking for wallpapers. I'm really picky and it took me a very long time to decide what my palette was going to be as far as wallpapers, um, table coverings. I'm looking at floor tiles potentially to do in the future um, once I'm done with all this <laughs> construction work and fabrics to cover the cushions that are in the RV. I even got, I think I might have mentioned this in the last podcast, I even bought a new um, sheet and coverlet set to just kind of give a nice pop of color that goes with the decor. And the reason for all this effort to really focus on decor and making it cute 
is because I'm very aware that my psychology is affected by my surroundings. So I like to put energy into making my surroundings beautiful. And um, that helps me stay uplifted and happy. And with that kind of a mood, it's sort of, you know, I can do anything with that, right? So that's why I care about the aesthetics as well as the structure or functionality in certain cases. Um, and in this case, I think it's going to, I hung it and just kind of draped it over the edge and let the roll fall to the floor and stood back and looked at it. And I think it's going to be really nice. And if I don't like it in the future, I can always change that. But for now, it's really nice and refreshing to have something beautiful to look at right there. It's basically a big, huge piece of art. So got that, got all my illuminate. I now have a huge piece of illuminate. I think it's 20 by 24 feet. I'm going to cut that it roughly in half uh, and put a basically extension on one end of the 20 by 20 shade structure that's going to be steel that'll be collecting rainwater and have solar panels on it so that I can have some breezy shade going over the last five feet of the RV because uh, probably you know I'll have the RV not right up to the edge um, of the shade structure so I want to have a little bit of space around it maybe so I can walk around for just functional purposes to get to stuff on the concrete pad under the shade structure but I need to extend the shade um, outwards and I think I'm going to do about 10 feet just to give a little bit of room like I said around the RV but that way there's not a part of the RV just sitting out in the blazing hot sun all day and heating up the rest of the RV so I'm going to use part of it for that and I thought a lot about this and I decided I'm going to try two by fours. I'm going to anchor them in concrete that I'm going to pour. So there will be concrete footings, but I don't think I'm going to need a four by four post to hold some illuminate. <laughs> you know, I don't care how bad the winds are. It's illuminate. It, the air is going to go right through it. So again, I'm kind of testing this out using, having used illuminate at Burning Man, um, that's the harshest environment I've ever been in. And that worked really well. So we'll see, you know, we'll see how it goes. And then the other half that I'll be cutting the large sheet, um, cutting off of the large sheet that I got of Illuminate, uh, I'll be using as the south side wall. So I'm going to create a wall on the south side of the structure of Illuminate. And I'll be sacrificing my view, but it's going to be, I think, valuable for creating that shade on the side on the south side where all that sun's going to be beaming right in like you know through the whole day <laughs> and then i decided to buy some extra illuminate which just arrived two pieces of 16 by 13 illuminate that i'm going to use on the south uh east and southwest sides running about you know 16 feet of the 20 feet of the shade structure so it'll be basically like a big u of illuminate and I think that's going to create a really nice cool yet breezy outdoor living space um, out of the shade structure so and it's going to shield the RV which I'll have parked on one side of the shade structure or over to one side of the shade structure so that you know I'm still in the shade and my test with the illuminate I got 80% illuminate was going back to Burning Man again, I used it out there and was able to sleep in until noon every day. And that was back in 2012. That was the last year that I went out there. And it was such a blessing um, to be able to sleep that late in the day in that hot summer um, desert sun. So I think it's going to be good. And I'm, you know, we'll see how it goes, right? Um, 
other than that, I also used some of the recycled wood that I got out of the uh, panel from the loft. And I used that to make two little shelves in the kitchen where there was just basically wall space and it wasn't being sort of effectively utilized in my opinion. So I had these really pretty little light wood shelves and I took all the hardware out of them. Again, I had to deal with the standard screws, <laughs> but I developed a technique for that where I used a handheld screwdriver to kind of loosen them and get them up about a quarter of an inch. And then I used my drill and it went a lot more smoothly after I did that. But basically I used my extremely rudimentary carpentry skills. Um, any dead carpenter would be rolling over in his grave if he saw what I did, but it works for me. And I just did it right there in the RV and just, you know, fit the boards together. I drilled into the uh, stove hood using what I didn't know I had, which is a metal drill bit. And so I now I know that I do have some metal drill bits. Um, I didn't know that I did, but I was able to drill into that and then use a combination of various different drills. And uh, I even used my... Um, Oh no, I'm forgetting the name of my tool that I tried. But anyway, I finally got the the drill, the screws into the piece of wood on that side because there wasn't a lot of room under the hood. And then I used these really pretty little brackets that I kind of splurged on at the hardware store. I think they were like $8 each for these teeny little metal brackets, but they're really pretty. And like I said, looking at pretty things it does have a lot of value um, as far as affecting your psyches. And I'm very sensitive to that, so I am focusing on that. But now I have these nice looking um, shelves that are level. I'm pretty sure I did. A, I, I eyeballed it, but um, because I can't use a level, like I said, but they look nice. They use up unused space. And now I can set things up there, perhaps like cups or spices or, you know, tea or whatever. Right. So I'm just adding storage space. And that was very satisfying as well. Um, to be able to use recycled materials and my own ingenuity in my hands to create that. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of satisfaction out of that kind of thing. Um, and so I think that's pretty much where I left off with everything that I've been working on in the RV. I still have to figure out the table. The table basically, I don't know what went on prior, <laughs> but it's a quarter inch sheet of plywood. And when I got there, when I got the RV, it wasn't even attached to the wall. It was attached to a post very oddly. And that post wasn't attached to the floor. And there's some crazy tile that they laid down under the table, but only under part of the table. So part of the floor is about maybe half an inch lower than the other part with the tile on it. And it's wood and it's just weird, but I'm using some old floor paneling that I was asked to pull off of the uh, cover for the fresh water tank in the back. I'm calling it the nook uh, back there and by the RV repairman that I've had come out and do uh, work on the coach, he calls it. Um, things like the propane detector and giving me a new battery and, you know, yada, 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 that kind of stuff. But I pulled all these panels off of that so he could inspect the tank. And I ended up with a nice big stack of these panels. Now, I really don't like the look of them. They're like really super glossy, which I've never been into. But they're pretty sturdy pieces of wood and they do fit together. So what I did was I turned one of them upside down and used that um, under the table right at the edge, the, the outer edge to close the gap between the tile and the wood of the RV. And I also used that to be able to anchor the 
uh, legs that I was thinking about using for the table into something because they won't anchor into the tile, right? I guess I could glue them on, but um, this just felt better to me. And it looks pretty decent. I was thinking of maybe turning all of the floor tiles over and just running them all the way to the back, but I haven't really thought through yet how to make them all level because again, that back part, it's missing that tile. So whoever tiled it only tiled, they, they, they left like about a foot or maybe more than that, 14 inches or so of just wood that is not tiled. So I'd have to figure out some kind of spacers or something to lay those boards onto if I did go all the way. And that's not necessarily a priority of mine. So I haven't really worked it out in my head yet and may take an action on it. The loft was definitely a priority to me. Um, but that table is also a pretty big deal, right? Having a sturdy table is going to be a main center for a lot of different things. It's where you put down stuff when you need to put something down, you know, when you're standing there. Um, it's where I'll sit and eat and it's um, likely where I'll do a lot of thinking and, you know, maybe even some design work and, you know, if I'm sewing, it might be where I actually do some printing or other types of things, right? So, um, sorry, getting a call. <laughs> Hopefully I'll edit that out, but probably not. I don't really care too much about editing at this stage. I want to be really raw with this, but, um, Anyway, uh, side note, but yeah, so the table, I'm really just thinking after trying a few different things, I tried putting two different poles for legs. I tried anchoring it into the RV wall temporarily with screws and it just still feels really not stable. It's just too thin of a piece of plywood. So I think what I'm going to do is have to buy another piece of plywood and then anchor that with one pole in the front center. So one leg instead of trying to do two. So it's not really cramped when I'm trying to slide into the booth on either side because I have long legs and a nice sturdy piece of plywood will allow me to do that. I don't need two poles to try to make it more sturdy. So I think really it's just do it right. You know, go, go pull it out, do it all from scratch from the beginning and do it correctly. I think that's really what I'm going to have to do. And it's worth it. Uh, plywood is just really difficult to handle. I'll probably have it cut at the hardware store down to at least close to the size. Um, and I might even give them the full dimensions because what I did was I cut the corners off the table um, or the plywood <laughs> table that's there now so that I don't basically create huge gashes in my thighs because I am a little bit klutzy and I tend to run into things sometimes and it's just right there sticking out right at thigh level where it really hurts. So either way, I'm going to figure that out and I think that's the best solution. And then what I was thinking is to cover it with, I was originally going to do a pour. I was going to get two concrete blocks and a tarp and like do the, I bought this stuff that you pour over, you know, the surface and I was going to put like cool messages and pictures in the pour. So it was a cool tabletop with cool stuff in it. And I laid out, I spent this like an hour, two hours finding all these cool images and creating all these sayings and then printing them all out and cutting them all out. And for the first time in my life, I wasted paper because each, the way my printer works, I couldn't put them all on one sheet. And I probably should have done that in the design phase, but I was just sort of like, just whip it out, too lazy, yeah. And so I wasted printer paper, but then I went and put them all on the table and they looked terrible. It was just not at all what I thought it was gonna look like. So I scrapped that whole idea. I did save all the pictures though. They're in an envelope because you never know um, what they might be useful for in the future. And they're kind of pretty, you know, they're cool and good sayings and stuff. So we'll see. But I decided that was a bad idea. And the poor idea just didn't make any sense at that point. So I returned the poor stuff and yeah, it's going to be probably wallpaper over the, um, table. 
and I don't, they don't call it wallpaper. I think they call it, you know, sticky back something, you know, press and peel or something like that. But, uh, yeah. And I, I don't know. I bought this dark wood looking one. It looked really good when I was buying it and I kind of glanced at it when it came and I, now I'm like, not so sure that I want that, but either way it's fine it's fairly inexpensive and usually you can return stuff to amazon if you don't like it within a certain period of time so i am supporting judicial watch as my charity and i'm really excited about that so even though even though i'm buying from amazon it's going to a good cause sort of um but anyway so that's another big project that i'm moving towards and then the other really big project that i'm i've been working out in my mind for weeks and weeks now is the burners who used to own this RV left a bunch of really ugly, big, messy globs of adhesive in the nook and all over the bathroom, the, the shower stall and in certain places of the main living space. And it's like they took a, some kind of adhesive caulk or something and it just went went crazy with it and it's very ugly and messy and you know it it doesn't look finished at all and when I pulled stuff off like pulled the tiles off the wall in the bathroom and pulled some of the flowers they you know used this really overkill adhesive to attach to the wall of the nook um, they left these just really big ridges of globs of dried adhesive so I finally went and got a mask that supposedly handles that type of stuff like fiberglass and paint and who knows it does say adhesives on there um, and you know comically enough in a store where I was being accosted by the mask Nazis um, to wear a you know cloth or or paper mask that has been proven to not work against viruses of any kind and in fact to be deadly on top of that um i was buying an n95 respirator mask <laughs> to be used for <laughs> actual specified purposes that it's been proved to uh, help with so i thought it was funny but anyway so i finally got a mask and i got my sanding um my sander out into the rv and i have the new sanding discs ready to go so pretty much there's no longer any mental obstacles um as far as moving forward on that particular project and that's going to be a big deal because one once I get that done, I can actually then um, seal. I'm going to do some uh, bleach to make sure that I'm there's, if there's any mold or mildew that it will be killed. And then I'm going to seal the wall uh, against water intrusion. And then I'm going to be able to do my, my paper or my paint. And I think I'm going to wallpaper the nook. I found a kind of a, I think they call it lap board uh, pattern paper. And it's got beautiful kind of turquoise and browns. Uh, look just look like a shiplap kind of a um, some you know just wood planks basically so I'm gonna try that we'll see if it looks good it's always fun to see how it translates from when you're buying it and how cool it looks in that scenario and then when you actually hold it up in your actual space and you know so but those are the three main things the loft is done the table needs to happen next and then the nook um, all the sanding in the nook and then of course I'm going to do the shower stall which will be kind of its own separate subset of that last major project but it's coming along and uh, as far as the land goes uh, the contract did finally arrive um, as I think I mentioned in the last podcast episode and now I've just been in this waiting pattern with the ball in my court where I'm trying to schedule with my attorneys and the way that it works because I'm in California they have to review the document 
and that takes them three full days to do once they've received it. And of course, that's business days, so it doesn't include weekends. And then they have to then refer it over to a firm in the state where I'm going, Texas, and then they have to assign it to an attorney in Texas who specializes in that sort of thing. And then once that's all done, then finally I get to have an appointment with that attorney to go ahead and review the document so that I know what I'm signing and I know what I'm getting into and I know what everything means. So I talked to the sellers today and they're very nice and they appreciate that I give them so much leeway as far as it taking them a while to get the contract done, I'm sure. And so they're being really cool with me and just communicating with them this is what is going on. And it looks like instead of this week, it's going to be next week. And so we're all good. I I feel really happy that we're being understanding with each each other because things do take time and life happens. But I am so eager to get this signed (laughs) because it turns out on the home front, um, and I won't go into too much detail about this, but I think it's fair to just talk about it a little bit because it's real life. Um, My household has discovered as of last week, that we have all been defrauded by the man who's been calling himself the on-site manager for the years many of us have lived here. And he has been illegally occupying the garage and basically renting illegal units to all of us. Uh, (laughs) I confirm this because the owner of the property showed up with the inspector that I had actually called and uh, didn't give us notice, but showed up one day, I happened to be outside. And then I went over and, you know, politely introduced myself and got her contact information because none of us had ever been provided with any of that by this onsite manager guy and just asked her, you know, um, this, do you know that this guy has been living in the garage illegally? Like, do you know that, you know, how much is the mortgage? She told me, it turns out he's been, he has been skimming about $3,000 off of the top of what we're paying him, uh, above and beyond what the mortgage is. And it turns out, cause she said, um, the only lease she has is with him. So I asked my attorney about all of that. And he said, uh, yeah, that he's committed fraud. So, it's a big thing. There's a bunch of people living here and, you know, we all had a house meeting last night actually and, you know, just shared information with each other. Those of us who have lawyers and those of us who don't just kind of, you know, helping everybody understand what our options might be um, because it looks like they're going to, the owner is going to try to evict us. And I, it sounds like she, from what she's been doing and saying that she doesn't want to evict Uh, She's trying to intimidate us to leave. So it's this whole mess. It's this whole mess. But we're, we're all handling it. And, you know, honestly, there's no, we haven't done anything wrong as tenants. And so there is a process, luckily, that she will have to go through. But uh, I'm actually filing a small claim against the on-site manager, the guy who's been calling himself that for fraud. And I don't think I'm going to get any money out of it. But I do think it will affect the judge. Uh, who does look at the eviction case and determining how much time we have to to leave. So it's a pretty messed up situation and it's through no fault of our own as tenants. We're all good tenants. We all pay our rent on time every month. And like I said, some of us have been here for years. So it's just a, we, we ended up renting from a con artist. So yeah, drama. (laughs) 
So I, I'm hoping that the timing all works. I've been diligently working on the RV whenever I can and, you know, thinking and plotting about, okay, how do I purge my stuff to fit? It's kind of like that show, which I love, Tiny House Nation um, on Lively Place, where they counsel the homeowners who've decided they're going to go tiny and they make them sit in the living room and put some boxes and then you can only keep this much. Like you can only, everything that has to fit in this, these boxes, that's all you can have. And they're all minds reeling and they're not sure that they made the right choice, but then they end up doing just fine and, and end up fitting everything into their, 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 I almost said RV, their tiny home. Cause that's basically what I'm moving into is a 200 square foot tiny home. Um, and then they end up always saying inevitably, Oh, I'm so glad. I don't know how we ever lived with the bigger, with more stuff. So I basically have to put myself through that whole process and I'm, you know, if you're like a normal person, you probably know that when you're sitting and you're looking at all your stuff and it's where it is, it's can be difficult to imagine it being different than that. And I run into this with my design clients pretty frequently where some of them express that they just can't envision it being any different than it is. And I help guide them you know, that's normal. Of course you can't visualize that being any different than it is. Like, that's why you're hiring me. Don't worry about it. You know, I'll figure that out for you. But you know, it's, it's a common thing and it happens to me too. So the way my mind works is I'm sort of, as I kind of have alluded to or mentioned before, just kind of design on the fly as far as my, this project with the RV and the land and working things out in my head and taking time to do that and doing a lot of sketching and list making. And, and this is just how I, I creatively process. And I end up coming up with good solutions that work for me, but it just takes this process, takes time. So, you know, I know for instance, that I'm going to keep a lot of my books. Those are going to be heavy. I did a diagram yesterday about where in the RV those books are going to go well during the trip. And they probably need to go over the axles. So the back axle most likely is the main axle. Um, but I could also put some like maybe near the cab, da da da. So I was kind of just trying to figure out and then what do I keep? What do I get rid of? How do I get rid of what I'm getting rid of? You know, what are the, the vehicles for that? I think I'm definitely going to do the um, Veterans Affairs, I think it's called, uh, or the Salvation Army, maybe it's called, um, where they actually will come to your house and pick up all your stuff, which is, to me, an amazing service. And I so appreciate them for doing that because the effort involved of hauling everything down to the Goodwill is just, it's a lot. So I love that they come to your doorstep and pick up your unwanted stuff. So I'm going to donate a bunch of stuff to them and I'm going to have to think through all these decor items that I had a really fun time collecting over the years and putting in boxes for someday. Like, do I really need them now? <laughs> One thing I'm going to do on the land that I'm really excited about is I'm going to be hosting campers. I'm going to be hosting dry campers and I will be providing a composting toilet or two. And I actually did do my design for that the other day. So I'm really excited about that because that was another really kind of a big deal for me to work out in my head of how am I going to do this? How is it going to work? What am I going to do with the, when, you know, when it's full, like who dumps it, you know, how, blah, all that stuff. And I did a lot of sketching and a lot of calculations and, really like materials calculations and square footages and da 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 and how am I going to build this, right? So I'm going to provide, uh, the only requirement for hosting the dry camping is that you provide uh, bathroom facilities. So I'm going to do that and I'm going to have areas where dry campers can come and stay on my land. And I'm really excited about that because there's a whole thing 
it's like the short-term rental market, but it's for camping. And it's a very big industry out there because where I'm going, there's a lot of really amazing hiking and sightseeing and stargazing. So it's a, it's a viable market for me to do that. And uh, so that's definitely something I'm going to do. Originally, I was planning on doing like short-term rental you know, and I was going to buy these domes and, you know, kind of make them like bougie, um, like, you know, what do you call it? Glamping, you know, scenario. But in the end, what I might do is just buy a dome for my own use and maybe use it for hosting workshops and maybe even turn it into my, you know, like a home I could live in at some point. I'm not sure. I don't really have a plan for moving out of the RV, but it's probably a good idea to think about that. And I don't know if a dome would work. I don't know anything about insulating a dome, for instance. And there's not a lot of firewood out there where I'm going. I don't think anyway. So these are, but this is more just for income on the property um, while I establish other streams of income in a new place. But yeah, so I am really excited about that. And so one of the things I was thinking is, you know, I can use some of that decor for really making the site special and potentially creating little stations or areas where campers could enjoy doing activities and stuff like that. So things like cornhole, I mean, are you kidding? Of course. And maybe even like a dartboard area and just stuff like that. And I think also creating like a hike around, a walk around the property for uh, specific parts of the property so they could take a look. Cause this property that I'm buying is quite special. Um, it is, I don't know what the deal is, but I was looking in Google Earth really, really intensively one night that I couldn't sleep. <laughs> and it looks to me like it's in right smack dab in the middle of a dry riverbed or a wash. And it might even be at the drainage, the low point between two the two directions that the wash or the dry riverbed is running. So it already potentially has water. There, it, there are plants on it. And it's not the only one like it, like that, but it's basically covered in plants, whereas everything surrounding it is much more desert. So when I do say that I'm going to be turning the desert into an oasis, it looks like I'm going to have a little bit of a head start, but I have no idea what that head start is. I don't know if there's a well possible. I don't know what I'm getting into other than there are plants on this, um, grasses, and there's some mesquite and, you know, stuff like that. So you know, it's a beautiful area, really. It's, there's a lot of beautiful mountains and hills very close. And there's uh, all kinds of, I can see the flow of water across. There's definitely channels and rivulets and stuff that were potentially there in the past or are seasonal or what whatnot. I'm guessing it's more seasonal. Although the Google Earth data, I looked on the, you know, in the corner and it said 1985. <laughs> so, that's a little older data and in the picture it looked kind of brown and and yellowish and the owner when I showed him that he said that's doesn't look like the place because it's more green because I guess they've gotten a lot of rain uh, over the last monsoon season it broke a drought that they had for several years so anyway that's all the stuff lately related to my project and if you've listened this far thank you for listening and I will just continue to document my progress. It is a lot of work, but I thrive in a challenge and I thrive in a crisis. I wouldn't call this a crisis. There's a little bit of a crisis with the, the current landlord basically situation, but we can, we can handle it as tenants. And, and, you know, I've been through this kind of thing before, but 
when it comes to a challenge, I get bored easily and I'm a very, I'm a, I have a very active mind and I like to do stuff. I like to do projects. So this is just very fun and satisfying and it kind of makes me feel more alive. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had been, if you've ever been in a situation where it's been really tough, you know, and you're just in it and you're just thinking, God, this just sucks. I just can't wait for this to be over. You know, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Uh, you also might know in the back of your head, this is probably making me stronger in some way. You know, I remember back when I was in college, there were more than a few days when I was riding my bike through the freezing rain with not adequate clothing on with groceries hanging off both handlebars and just gritting my teeth as I pedaled through that knowing that I would eventually get home and it, I would be able to dry off and it would be warm and I would have groceries. But I remember also in the back of my mind while I was pedaling through that, this is making me stronger somehow. I'm, I don't know how I knew it. I just, I just felt it like, you know, if I can get through this, I could probably get through other things. So that's, uh, that's kind of what this is on some level too, of, of going out and doing something so big. Uh, it's a huge challenge. It's, kind of fraught with danger if you think about it, but I'm otherwise, what am I doing? Just sitting in civilization, consuming, you know, consumables and watching shows that program me, um, about someone else's idea of reality and kind of keep me buying stuff and keep me stupid and keep me compliant. And, you know, I'm not really doing anything and I want to go out and do something. And to me, buying land and turning it into a permaculture oasis is really doing something with my life. So that's where I'm headed. And if you're just joining me, that's what I'll be kind of talking about. And um, thank you for listening. And that concludes episode two of season one of Zombie Permaculture.